Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri. The Witch of Victoria, Missouri, Prudence Mars Beavis, 1784 to 1858. The rhythmic thump of approaching horses' hooves grew louder, and the nervous cackle of chickens signaled to the small gathering of slave children that the witch was on her way. Jumping up from their play, they scanned the road to see the distant cloud of dust growing closer. No genteel lady riding in a carriage or demurely perched side-saddle, the woman astride the massive black steed rode with abandon like an Indian warrior, her long unbound hair streaming behind her like a victory banner. Children and fowl all began to scatter. Experience told them this rider would not slow down as she passed through. She didn't look like a typical witch no stooped over wrinkled crone, but a strikingly beautiful woman whose Irish and Native American ancestry had worked in harmony to form a rare magnificence. Even so, the children were terrified of Queen Beavers. If she took a notion, she could bring down curses that caused terrible suffering or even death. The McKee baby must be on the way, one of the older children remarked as she sped by. Queen Beavers never misses a birth. And it was true. As unofficial First Lady of Victoria, Missouri, located just southeast of the county seat of Hillsborough, Prudence Beavis, called Queen Beavers behind her back, made a point to be present at every birth in the small Jefferson County community. No one knew why she wanted to be present, but those who believed she was a witch feared she was marking the children for something sinister. However, no one dared prevent her from being present whenever she chose for fear she would cast some greater curse upon them. Welcome to the final episode of Season 1's Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri. Today's episode is The Witch of Victoria, Missouri, The Prudence Beavis Story, 1784 to 1858. I'm your host, Mindy Hudson, genealogist at the Jefferson County Library. Each week we bring stories of murder, scandal, and interesting characters throughout the county's 200-year history. Using the resources available in our genealogy department, we piece together stories about the lives of historical residents of the county. Jefferson County is located about 25 miles south of St. Louis, among the rolling hills and valleys which form the foothills of the Ozark Mountains. One of the most fascinating features of Jefferson County is the diverse mixture of cultures that make up the population. Early settlers came from the British Isles, Germany, Czechoslovakia, France, Italy, and other European countries. Some came by way of the eastern United States, bringing with them the religious practices, folk remedies, and traditions that were an amalgamation of Old World customs mixed with Native American and African slave practices. 
Immigrants tended to settle in communities with like-minded groups, but there were instances where the superstitions and religious beliefs of certain groups were so foreign to the established settlers that some people were viewed with suspicion and fear. The very earliest white residents of the county tended to be English and Scots-Irish Protestants who moved into the Spanish territory controlled by a Catholic government. To settle here, they had to convert to Catholicism, but some did so only in name. They continued the practice of their early faith in secret. After the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, there was an influx of Protestant settlers from the Carolinas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. These were descendants of some of America's earliest settlers who had lived in poverty in the Appalachian Mountains. They intermarried with the Indians of the backwoods and learned the practices of both the natives and the African slaves with whom they interacted. As a result, their beliefs and traditions held a strange mixture of Anglo-Celtic pagan practices, Christian Protestant beliefs, and Native American and African influences in superstition and healing. They strongly believed in the Bible, but also believed in a literal devil who walked among men and influenced both actions and health. They also believed that there were certain men and women who were endowed with special supernatural powers to heal, conjure, and see into the spiritual world. These people were both revered and feared. Most people today are familiar with the 17th century Salem witch trials. However, few have ever heard of the witch hysteria that happened a hundred years later in Winsboro, Fairfield County, South Carolina. In November 1792, four young women were accused of turning men into horses and riding them. One young woman, named Mary Engelman, was an herbalist or healer whose ancestors hailed from Germany. The mixing of herbs to effect healing was seen as conjuring, and as a result, she was accused of practicing witchcraft. According to her accusers, she put a spell on a cow, causing it to levitate and then dropping it down to the ground with such force that its neck was broken. The charges were brought against her by her stepson, Jacob Free. Mary and the others were taken to a nearby barn and illegally tried. Giving no defense, they were found guilty. For punishment, they were flogged with a leather whip, and the soles of their feet were burned over a slow-burning fire. Mary survived the horrific treatment, which only added to her legend, and later sued her accusers. Although she won the suit, she was never able to collect. Local folklore claims her ghost still haunts the Fairfield County Courthouse, waiting for her recompense. According to historians, the hysteria over witches in South Carolina stemmed from suspicion over a cult called the Gifted Brethren who practiced hypnosis. Many of the accounts of witchcraft attributed to the South Carolina story were surprisingly similar to those later attributed to Prudence Beavis. The fact that so many of the early residents of the county came from the Carolinas shortly after these events occurred might explain how the legend of the Jefferson County witch was born.
Prudence Mars, daughter of Thomas Mars, was born about 1784. Thomas Mars was born in Fayette County, Kentucky, but moved to Monroe County, Illinois prior to 1820. Mars was believed to have been of Irish origin. The name of his wife has been lost to time, but she was said to have been Native American of the Shawnee or Delaware tribe who made their home in the Illinois Territory. At least five children were born to this union. The identified siblings included Prudence, Lucinda, and Abigail Mars. Lucinda Mars was married twice. Her first marriage to Richard Coleman took place in Monroe County, Illinois in 1823. Her second was to Eli Wiley in about 1829. The Wileys made their home in Jefferson County, Missouri, and their descendants are still found in the county to this day. Abigail was married at least three times, first to John McCary in 1823, second to Elisha Westbrook in 1827, and finally to Abner Carr in 1834, with whom she had three children. By 1860, she was listed in the federal census as widowed living in St. Clair County, Illinois, with son Warren. A notation in the 1860 federal census under the column Condition noted Abigail had suffered from, quote, the loss of a son, insane, end quote. She died in 1884 in Freeburg, St. Clair County, Illinois. In 1802, an Englishman named Thomas Langley Beavis, a native of Georgia, felled the first tree and founded the town of Victoria in Jefferson County, Missouri, between present-day Hillsboro and DeSoto. It is assumed he was a blacksmith due to the broken set of tools among his assets when he died. He married Mary, Polly, Herod, and they had a daughter named Rebecca. When he brought his young family to live in the wild, untamed Missouri Territory, it didn't take long for Polly to decide the rugged life was not for her. In August 1808, Thomas placed a notice in the St. Louis, Missouri Gazette under the name Thomas Beavers, saying he would no longer be responsible for Polly's care or debts. For her part, Polly Beavis left Thomas and her daughter behind, never to be seen again. The loss of his wife presented two dilemmas for Beavis. First, he needed a mother for his young daughter, Rebecca. And second, being a single man, he was only able to claim a hundred of the 640 acres of his original claim. This detail in his record helped establish his dilemma, since the loss of his marital status resulted in reducing his claim to 100 acres, the allotment for an unmarried male. Realizing a woman accustomed to city living would not do for the rugged life he offered, Thomas crossed the river into Monroe County, Illinois, where he found a very young and beautiful Prudence Mars. She was of Irish and Native American descent. Living in wild, untamed land was not intimidating for her, and she accompanied Thomas back to Victoria, where they built a prosperous town and raised three more children in addition to Rebecca, Mary, Thomas, and William. The union between Thomas Vivas and Prudence Mars 
enabled Beavis to claim an additional 598 arpins, or 505 acres. Prudence reveled in her role as the wife of the most prominent citizen of the town and carried herself with an air of importance. A woman of untamed spirit, she did not worry about the social niceties that were so ingrained among the established residents of the community. In addition, she was known to practice unorthodox religious rituals that were probably taught to her by her native ancestors. The townspeople, jealous of her beauty and suspicious of her strange ways, secretly dubbed her Queen Beavis behind her back, which later corrupted into Queen Beavers. Thomas, being quite a bit older than his bride, died in 1826, leaving behind his young widow and children. That's when the real trouble began. Because Thomas's first wife left without the benefit of a legal divorce, people considered the marriage between Prudence and Thomas to be void. When she tried to collect the money and property, which should have been her due, she was unable to produce a marriage license, and thus the gossip began in earnest. It presented the perfect opportunity to put Prudence in her place, which the citizens took great delight in doing. After having the status of most prominent among the townsfolk stripped away, Prudence made no effort to quell the suspicions of her neighbors. In fact, she enjoyed the notoriety. Locals began whispering among themselves that Prudence was a witch and that she would seek revenge on anyone who displeased her. She didn't help matters with her arrogant and wild behavior. Whenever a child was born in the town, she insisted on being present at the birth. She rode at breakneck speed through the village, her long hair flying in the wind, scattering children and animals in her path. She was blamed for crop failures, deaths, and other strange happenings. Rumors began circulating about Mrs. Beavis that teetered from improbable to impossible at one point, Reverend Pascal Buren had a calf that Prudence set her sights on. When she approached him about buying the calf, he turned her down. Angry over the refusal, Prudence remarked that he never would be able to keep that calf. As she walked away, the preacher heard her mumbling what he thought was an incantation. Later that night, according to the legend, the calf began bawling and could not be comforted. When the calf died later that night, the Negro slaves were terrified that Queen Beavis had bewitched it and didn't want to touch it. They were finally convinced to build a bonfire and burned the remains completely up. All night they kept watch, certain the witch was going to show up and jump into the flames. She never did. Another instance of her wrath over the refusal of a bovine purchase was in 1842 when she attempted to buy a milk cow from Mrs. Sullivan Fraser, who also declined the offer. The cow soon jumped the fence and took days to find. When she was located, her milk was tainted with blood, and she was useless to the Frasers. When crops failed or sickness swept through the community, Prudence was blamed for the misfortune. A few of the young girls of the town developed boils on their arms and legs. When the boils were lanced, there were hairballs found in them. 
to the superstitious residents a sure sign of devil's work. Local blacksmith Henry Jones made a name for himself as a witch charmer. He claimed he knew spells and cures to counteract the witch's power. Soon people were showing up asking for his remedies. One neighbor came with a gun he was certain Mrs. Beavis had cursed. He had sighted the gun in perfectly, but whenever he tried to use it to hunt, it would not aim true. Desperate for help, he asked Jones if there was a spell he could do to cancel the witch's curse. Jones made a silhouette of prudence, hung it in a tree, loaded the gun with a silver bullet. He fired the gun at the cutout, and it struck its target. The next day, Prudence was confined to her bed with a leg injury, and the hunter was able to kill a deer. That was proof enough. Zachary Buren lived near Bear Creek. His baby cried all night with an ailment that Buren was sure had been brought on by Queen Beavis. Buren needed to leave the house that evening, and he feared what would happen. He sought out Jones for something to protect the child. Jones filled a vial with a potion and placed needles inside the vial. He hung it in a chimney to await the queen's arrival. Later, Prudence arrived and asked for water for her own child. The vial was handed over to her, but instead of giving it to her child, she drank it. If she swallowed the needles, they did little damage. She was sick for a short time. The Buren baby died, and soon Prudence recovered. Others who tried their hand at taming the witch included Sullivan Fraser, whose cow had reportedly been cursed by her. It was common knowledge that if an awl, which is a sharp tool used for poking holes, was stuck into a chair where a witch was sitting, she'd lose her power and be unable to rise. On one social visit to the Fraser home, Prudence was seated in a chair while she and Mrs. Fraser carried on a conversation. Deciding to test the theory, Reverend Fraser slipped behind the chair and stuck an awl under the seat unnoticed. Apparently, the spell didn't work on this powerful witch. After her conversation, she rose and left the abode completely unharmed and none the wiser. According to a report given about Prudence Beavis at an old settlers' meeting years later, John L. Thomas, a prominent citizen of the county in the 19th century, who personally knew Queen Beavis, said she inspired more fear among young people in her day than the Spanish ever succeeded in doing. Perhaps the most outrageous story came from Aaron Cook, who claimed Queen Beavis wanted to attend a ball at the Meredith Weidman estate, but had no horse to ride. Cook claimed she seized him, turned him into a horse, and rode on his back to the ball. She tied him to a plum bush, where he remained while she danced the night away. To prove his story, Cook lifted his shirt to reveal saddle sores to the astonished onlookers. Obviously, these stories sound exactly like the ones from the Fairfield County Witch Trials. Perhaps the community had brought the superstitious stories with them to Missouri and attributed them to prudence to entertain themselves or scare their children into obedience. 
The threat that queen beavers would get you if you didn't mind was enough to straighten out the most rebellious child among them. Prudence apparently tolerated all these things in stride. In 1856, she left Victoria behind and moved to St. Louis, where she died about 1858 or 1859. It isn't clear what happened to her sons, but Rebecca went on to marry William B. Phillips in 1847 and lived in St. Clair County, Illinois until her death in 1913. Mary Beavis married James Riley Dodson in 1846 and lived for a time in Avoca, Jefferson County, then Maurice County, Missouri. They had 15 children. By 1900, they moved to Bonterre, St. Francis County, Missouri. On May 2, 1902, the following notice appeared in the Farmington Times. Quote, Grandma Dodson committed suicide at Bonterre Monday morning by throwing herself in front of a freight train. A northbound freight was running about a mile north of the Bonterre Depot when the engineer saw her walking along the track. When the train got nearer to her and she still remained on the track, he blew the whistle and slowed up, but she turned and threw herself directly in front of the engine. The engine and several cars passed over her body before the train could be stopped. The body was horribly mangled and almost unrecognizable." The following year, her widowed husband, James R. Dodson, was found dead on the road in Bonterre, cause unknown. We hope you have enjoyed Season 1 of the Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri series, brought to you by the Jefferson County Library Genealogy Department. Located at the Northwest Branch, 5680 Highway PP, High Ridge, Missouri. This episode concludes Season 1. However, we will be gathering more interesting stories in the coming weeks to bring to our listeners in Season 2, beginning in the fall. In the meantime, be sure to catch up on earlier episodes on your favorite podcast vendor. And if you are in Jefferson County area, come by the library to discover the hidden stories in your own family tree.